cross the stream. Excuse me, Egon. You said crossing the stream was bad. Table of Contents, Kip and Kane Ione coming at you with our 11th episode of our Cross the Stream podcast. Happy to have a new interview this week. Interview guest is Gregory Plater, the host of Intellectual Athlete, a podcast you can find on iTunes and SoundCloud. Former Division I basketball player at Long Beach State University and a professional basketball player overseas. We'll have Q&A with Greg. Kane and I will react to it and follow that up with a wild card round. Episode 11, Cross the Streams, coming at you. All right, back on Cross the Streams podcast. It's always fun for me, you know, as a teacher, an educator, and a coach, to be able to bring back people that, I, that I've encountered throughout life. And in our guest interview today uh, was somebody that I knew way back, McKay High School, Salem, Oregon, when I thought I was God's gift to teaching. And this person was putting in a lot of points for the Royal Scots at McKay High School. And, and we crossed paths a ton uh, and been able to stay in touch ever since. And, and lucky to count him as one of my friends. Uh, Greg Plater is with us today. Gregory, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, Chip. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And I, and I want to let Greg, you know, kind of take you guys through, uh, before we get into, you know, his podcast that we want to talk about that he's starting and, and a lot of things he's doing in, in life now. Greg, if you could take the audience back through, you graduate from McKay High School. You know, you're an all-state guy, the same first-team all-state basketball class with Kevin Love and Kyle Singler, and you're on that team. So start with you're headed to Long Beach State and kind of take us on, you know, a two-, three-minute journey for you, basketball, life, et cetera, where, where, where you've been. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, so Long Beach State was um, the decision I made between, it was between Portland State and uh, Long Beach State. And... Uh, it was a tough decision, but I wanted to get out, get out of uh, Oregon, and get out of home, and, and mm -hmm. try something new. Yeah, you know, so I went to Long Beach, um, played under Dan Munson for four years, and had a really up and down career. My especially my first two years, three years, um, but finished strong. You know, I was a uh, all freshman um, player in the Big West my freshman year, and then my second year I played, you know, six, seven, eight minutes a game, and then my junior year back to six man um, had a big impact on the team. And then my senior year was my best year. You know, I was a starter and played. Uh, we won the Big West Championship and played alongside some really good players. Um, the most known was Casper Ware, mm -hmm. um, there, and you know, T.J. Robinson, Eugene Phelps. Um, so it was a, it was a great experience playing at the Division One level. And also at Long Beach, we got um, my last two years. We had the number one preseason ranked preseason schedule. That's um, right. You guys were at so Texas, we North Carolina, all kinds of places, right? Duke, at Kentucky, at North, you know, at North Carolina, um, at Notre Dame, at Syracuse. I mean, every school, big name school you can think of, Long Beach State has played, and I've played at those places or against those teams. So it was a really good experience, and um, it's something that you really, you really appreciate looking back because you think how well you were taken care of. Right. Um, you know, you got a lot of things paid for, and you got you know, school paid for, and. Living in Long Beach was beautiful, so I really appreciate that experience. And so after that, I played professional basketball. I played uh, in Costa Rica, and at the Willamette, the Willamette connection I had actually made that happen through um, Josh Erickson. Mm -hmm. You know, he was the coach you know, in Costa Rica, so I really you know, have a lot of good memories thinking about that time, and I really appreciate Willamette for looking after me and giving me that job to start with my professional career. And after that, I played in Latvia. And then uh, Latvia was a tough experience. 
but it was a good learning experience, and it was great to travel around the, uh, the world playing basketball. Mm-hmm. And then I played Kazakhstan following Latvia um, after a, small, a short break. And then after that, I was living in China and playing some kind of semi-pro um, underground basketball thing, but that wasn't as um, exciting as the other places. Mm-hmm. But it was a good experience. And then throughout these, Greg, you know, across the streams, what Kane and I try to make sure we get our interview guests to share with us is, you know, especially just listening to your career stuff on the hardwood before we get even get into the stuff off the floor. There's a lot of there's a lot of movement in your story. There's a lot of tough decisions, a lot of cross the stream type moments where I'm sure people were like, you're going to go to Costa Rica. For what now? You're going to go to Latvia? What are you, how do you, what was your decision-making process then when when you were making these choices uh, and taking these big leaps literally across oceans uh, to keep playing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's different from when I was a kid, I, we kind of moved a lot. So, you know, I, I, around Salem, different households, different areas, and I moved to California when I was in middle school and left, you know, left my friends, and I moved back for high school, and I had family from in California and in Oregon, and so I was, I'm used to being a guy who's, you know, getting, moving to different places, but also, I think, as an athlete, um, a basketball player especially, you play at a lot of different courts around your neighborhood, mm-hmm. around the community, so I've always moved to different courts, you, you go to places where you feel uncomfortable, you know, you're you're the new guy on the court, you have to prove yourself, so yeah. I feel that was a big part of my decision to go to Long Beach, because my mom was like, you know, you should go and, and try something new. And for me, I'm a very spontaneous person. That was right with exactly what I needed. You know, mm-hmm. try to live in a new place and um, test my luck in a place where I didn't know what was going to happen. I really embraced that. Mm-hmm. And, and making a decision to play in Costa Rica or go to China, that was more, it was more like I would do anything for basketball. So mm-hmm. if, if at the end of the day I had a chance to go play and, you know, wherever it may be across the world, I'm going to go. Because basketball in my life has been um, the most consistent source of um, expression, you know, mm-hmm. the place for release and, and somewhere where I really love to be. I can really be myself and learn and, and really, like, tap into a different mental state there. So for me, it's like wherever basketball is going to take me or it's, you know, hopefully a good situation or I can create a good situation, I'm going to follow it. Yeah. After finishing up that professional basketball, how, why, what was the thought process behind you jumping into what you're currently working on, which is uh, a career in nutrition? I was like, you know what, I need a, you know, a foundational career. Right. I'm on the entrepreneurship type career I'm, I'm leading. So nutrition is something that, you know, deals with everything. Yeah. Um, and it's a holistic approach. So it's, you know, dealing with the entire life experience, um, past and present, and your biological and, you know, okay. everything. Yeah. So I like that approach versus the USDA, FDA regulated stuff where it's like, you know, following the government guidelines when they a bunch of BS. Absolutely. And now, so now take us, give us a sense of, of where you're at. I want to make sure everybody's aware. Greg just launched his own podcast called The Intellectual Athlete, uh, available on iTunes already. Yes, sir. SoundCloud and iTunes. Yep, Not to, last week. And the, the best part for me in, in the last couple of years is just getting to see another side of Greg, which I'm sure is, he's going to talk about um, in, in his podcast. It is a very socially conscious, very aware, intellectual kid from the one that I met as a freshman and a sophomore at McKay High School in accounting class. Um, but, but Greg, yeah. talk about... <laughs> The decision to jump into the podcast, what it is, the intellectual athlete is talking about, um, and just give people kind of your elevator speech to get on and listen to your first couple episodes. 
Totally, totally. So for me, I, I like just said, we've known each other for a long time, and I've always been a very uh, quiet guy, to myself guy. You know, and I'm, I'm an introvert, but I also am outgoing at the same time as, uh, you know, ironic as it may sound. So for me, throughout my life, I've been observing and analyzing through the different places I've been in around the world and in different communities, different kinds of people. I've been a chameleon in my life and, and try to be open-minded to different experiences, different cultures, and different kinds of people. So for me, after all, you know, my experience at Long, at Long Beach, my experience um, traveling around the world, I also, you know, I backpacked around the world outside of my basketball. So I've been able to really just be in places that have made me extremely uncomfortable and also learn about a lot of people and see um, the patterns of life and the patterns of how people in different societies are really the same. We all assimilate to different roles. And it's, it's a thing where once you start to understand how people, in, how to interact with people, and basketball has been a huge uh, tool for me to learn how to communicate with people as a, as a point guard and a leader on a team, I understand that there's, there's times when people need to stand up and speak. So right now we're at a big cultural shift mm-hmm. in, our, in our history as a country. And I, I was, I'm very, you know, I was very conflicted on how I wanted to make a change. I didn't know if I should protest. I didn't know if I should, you know, write on Facebook all the time and post articles. I didn't know what I mm-hmm. do. Should I make a, a video and try to make it go viral? I was at a, you know, at a crossroads. What should I do? But I need to do something. Mm-hmm. And I had a good friend who, um, he's, uh, they host the, the front office podcast. And he, I coached his son at a camp. And, and we built a, a friendship. And we had a meeting a few times. And he was like, you know, I really like what you're trying to do to do, you know, and my message is basically to, there's a few things, you know, is to help people understand that athletes, the everyday person, whatever you do in your life, whatever activity you're in, we're all doing the same thing. We're all working to build our identity, build ourselves, and evolve as people, and and, um, relate to those around us, and learn from those around us, because we're very social creatures, you mm-hmm. know, humans really like to learn with each other, so social media is great for that, you can learn about people in an instant, you can hear different kinds of video, find inspiration, and I felt like, you know, I've built a track record of maintaining consistent leadership of, of who I am and what I'm doing throughout my life, so I've had affirmation through different places, and I know that what I'm doing, I'm always staying true to myself and trying to speak a message of positivity and mm-hmm. encouragement and motivation and inspiration for younger people, and I feel like my my purpose on this earth is to give back to others, you know, and mm-hmm. to give a piece of myself. So mm-hmm. as I see things happening around the world, um, I see, I get pain, you know, I mm-hmm. feel hurt. And it's like, my life is good individually. I'm, I'm fine. But mm-hmm. the fact that I can, you know, drive down the street and see people, you know, without a home, I can see people who can't feed themselves or people around the world who are, um, don't have a choice to be involved in a war, you mm-hmm. know, innocent civilians. So I feel like I need to do something, you know, and I felt like, this opportunity to have a podcast is, is the perfect way to go because you can reach people with technology you know, so quickly. Yeah. So for me, I would say it, it's basically it's a sharing platform. So I'm going to share my story, share my knowledge, share my vision, share things that I have. And it's a, kind of like a therapeutic place for me to speak and get mm-hmm. what I have out. Yep. It's also a place for me to um, help people or allow people to think outside the box. You know, I always yeah. say, uh, don't think outside the box, but realize that there is no box. So there is no 
there is no box to contain who you want to be and who you identify yourself as. So I want people to be free and to understand that they can be whoever they want to be. And myself, as an athlete, I think that people give a lot of weight to what I do and what we do. So I'm like, hey, if I can um, break those boundaries of what it means to be an athlete and mm-hmm. what it means to be an intellectual, I'm going to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, so absolutely. I, I do things. I'm into art. I'm into anime. I'm into science. I'm into a lot of different things that people don't associate with athletes, but it's like that's not because the athletes aren't into that and that people aren't into that. It's the fact that um, the way that people perceive others kind of puts them in a, yeah. a confined box of who they are and they kind of assimilate to that role. You know, sort of a looking glass mm-hmm. type theory thing. And One so, of the things that, that um, stood out to me for you, and especially in your first episode called Identity, you, you mentioned the, the how people perceive the word intellectual. And you challenge yeah. the idea that in order to be considered intellectual, you have to have gone to Harvard or Cornell or have this tag on your resume. Uh, so talk a little bit about how you challenge that and, and how you define intellectual. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I get on a tangent. I get to word vomited. Um <laughs> But for me, I think an intellectual, you know, like you mentioned, I don't think it means that you have gone, you went to a certain school or, uh, for, or from a certain background. I think the intellectual starts with the mind. And you you hear people speak about, oh, they're smart, they're smart. And I think intellectual means to me, and what I try to do with my podcast is show people that an intellectual in mind is somebody who is uh, aware of their surroundings, aware of the energy of other people around them, aware that some people might be experiencing something that is different to theirs and that they can learn from uh, all different kinds of people. So um, one of my idols is like Socrates, somebody I really look up to. It's like he um, said that I know that I know nothing, you know? So mm-hmm. it's like if you can be open-minded to know that there's limitless information out there and that you can learn from every single thing around you, you know, and you know that there's no there's no finish line for continued evolution. That's how you can really um, evolve and also supporting people around you. So... If you are, you know, you're doing your thing, you're pursuing your goals, but it's like we have such power in ourselves to um, motivate and support others, and a lot of people don't even know that. They mm-hmm. think it comes from athletes or teachers or people. It's like, no, every single individual has a role, and as a collective, if we can bond together and, and know that we all are leaders and we have the impact to be leaders, you never know who's watching, you know, that then that can become something really powerful absolutely what is what would you say and as somebody myself that, that just started into the podcast game this summer how are you going to judge the success of what you're doing what is your goal with it i mean it's real easy for us that, that are running podcasts hey look at how many listens how many shares did we get is that how you're going to measure the yeah. success i think it's something kane and i ask ourselves a lot what is it we're, why are we doing this and how are we going to measure the success or failure of it yeah, I think that's tough because you, you get caught in that because you, you want people to hear your message and you get excited about people being excited about what you're doing because you want to connect with people. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that success is tied to a number or a certain amount of likes. I think it's about the impact that you make on whoever's um, receiving the message. Mm-hmm. And if they can share that message or the feeling that they get, the inspiration they get with other people, so it becomes like a, a domino effect mm-hmm. of... Um, inspiration you know what I mean absolutely and I think one of the things you mentioned earlier where you said being on here and just speaking on issues that are important to you and this has been the same thing for us it is therapeutic in terms of you know I had my I got to express I got to listen I got to one of the best parts for my end is all the guests that have come on and I'm sure this will happen for you is all the all the shared wisdom that I get from people that talk to me right 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 yeah no it's like 
I feel um, there's so much you can learn, you know, from from doing this. Mm-hmm. And it's like there's there's so many different things that can come from it. You know, I think it's like at the same time as I'm speaking about things that I care about, I'm also using this message to try and communicate to people who might be like-minded individuals who maybe don't feel like someone understands how they're feeling or someone doesn't care about them, you know? So mm-hmm. like, if I can, you know, little things like that change people's days and you never know what a day might change someone's life. So it's like I'm putting my my mind and being vulnerable and sharing what I feel and what I'm doing out there so then maybe somebody who is on that same wavelength can come find me and say, hey, I've been feeling this my whole life. Let's collaborate, you know? Or yep. Some people that maybe don't even talk to me, they might find that within their own community and their own friends and reach mm-hmm. out to somebody. It's like, if I can give somebody that extra push to then take that risk, you know, towards their dream mm-hmm. and pursue whatever they want to and be who they want to be, then that's, that's as, as long as I do that, I feel like that's successful, you know? Yep, absolutely. Yep. Greg, tell people, I, I know we, we mentioned we can you can find The Intellectual Athlete on SoundCloud, on iTunes. How can they follow you personally? Uh, as, as somebody that's known you a long time, obviously I know, like you mentioned earlier, you are active on social media with a lot of thought-provoking things you share. Is it Twitter? Is it Facebook? Is it Instagram? What are you comfortable sharing with folks to, to, to keep in touch with you and hear some of the things that you find important? Yeah, I, I'm not the biggest Twitter fan, but I think it's effective and getting the information out there quickly. Um, I'm on, I have my own website, so if you go to uh, gregoryplater.com, um, my full name.com. Um, I'm on Instagram at greg underscore plater, and the, um, and that's my personal. Mm-hmm. And then the intellectual athlete Twitter is um, at hoop underscore nerd. I love it. That's such, that's a great handle. <laughs> well, that, that, Everything has a purpose to it. You know what I mean? Yep. It's like everything I'm doing, I'm trying to make sure that it all ties together and it, and it all relates and it, it just kind of flows. It, it's like it becomes effortless after a while once you created your aesthetic, you know? Yep. Absolutely. And that's, folks, you know, go back through at the beginning, you know, this uh, 20 minutes with the the, uh, the host of the intellectual athlete, Greg Plater, a uh, longtime friend of mine that I know, I've know i known for a while and excited that he's in the game with us and a young person that's very thoughtful and purposeful uh, with the messaging he's putting out there. Greg, thanks thanks for coming on, man. No problem. Really, really appreciate you having me. Bring a cane in now. Everybody just got to listen to my Q&A with Greg Plater, uh, the host of the Intellectual Athlete, former Division I basketball player, professional basketball player overseas. And Kane, like I mentioned in, in the interview, it's always fun for me on this side when it's my turn to do interviews and I get somebody that I knew when he was a freshman. And then I get on this other end of this interview this fully formed, mature human being that's got these great takes on all the things that ill the world. And it's like, holy cow. One, I'm really old. Because I remember when he was a freshman in high school, and mm-hmm. two, uh, it's 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 a, it's amazing the development that can happen to people in for whatever reason. You know, Greg was just like all of us at age 13, 14 years old, and now to see this grown man going out finding his voice in the world, it, it was really fun for me to do that interview. Yeah, and I, I liked well for me just everything that he's put himself through the the streams that he's crossed over the course of his lifetime or in it i say lifetime as if he's been on this world a long time <laughs> well, he's had enough adventures you know, lie. he's had enough adventures for a lifetime that's what i was kind of getting at was that this guy has been everywhere he, he you know he's lived down in long beach 
um, went over to China, Latvia, um, mm-hmm. Costa Rica, you name it, and he's been there. And just those type of experiences have now helped shape and form him into this bright, young, intelligent individual that's got a tremendous viewpoint, different viewpoints on all sorts of things. I, I thought it was an awesome interview, a lot of interesting things, a lot of inter- interesting takes. And uh, But the thing that I really enjoyed, just the, the title of his podcast, Intellectual Athlete. Because I think, mm-hmm. especially now with everything that's going on in the sports world, you know, the, the um, people saying stick to sports, uh, things along those lines, the, the debates in the NFL and, and everything else, and just in professional sports in general. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, here's this guy that, that's saying, hey, we can be more than just athletes. We can be yeah. intellectuals. We, we've got, there's other things in all of our lives. Uh, other than just base, basketball, baseball, football, golf, tennis, whatever it may be. Uh, I think that's an awesome message, and, and I really appreciate appreciate what he's trying to do. And, you know, for those of you that, that didn't didn't know about Greg's podcast, available on iTunes and SoundCloud, just like ourselves, The Intellectual Athlete. And I thought one of the things in his first episode that I listened to entitled Identity, and I think I brought it up in the Q&A with him, was when he talked about the assimilated role or maybe the box that athletes get put in, that because you have physical prowess in a sport – Obviously, your brain must be shrunken down and you're not able to expand yourself and, and, and learn in any other facet besides your ability to catch a football or shoot a basketball. So I was really uh, intrigued and happy that that's the core launching of his podcast is challenging that stereotype. I love it. I absolutely love it, especially in my sport, football. Mm-hmm. We, uh, there is such a stereotype that football guys are, are because it's such a physically de- physically demanding, physical, violent sport. And there's all this stuff now as far as um, potential dangers of playing football. And mm-hmm. I just love to see it or have people see us as football players as more than just uh, meatheads or mm-hmm present-day gladiators that go out there and just bang our heads against each other and physically try and dominate one another. And then off the field, we just grunt and look for our yeah, next meal. We, we just cage you guys up between exactly. Sunday and Friday night. We just put exactly. you in a cage. We have no other interests yeah. besides um, the stereotypes of chasing women and trying to see what our next fight is. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's awesome coming from Greg's perspective as a Division One. He's a big, big time performer. You know, if if you listen to the Q and A, you know, Greg was the third leading vocator in this state behind a guy named Kevin Love, who's kind of a big deal in basketball, and behind a guy named Kyle Singler, who won a national championship at Duke. And the next biggest name in this state for that entire year was Greg Plater. Um, so for him to you know take that, you know, a lot of kids. Uh, can get sucked into higher identity is on the superstar I've been on the court or on the field or, or wherever it may be. And for him to realize, I thought when he said, basketball has always been my number one means of expression, mm-hmm. that was a great way to put it. Because, yes, it's, it's it's been a place for all of us to go experience in sports, you know, like you mentioned, the competition and the actual scoreboard. But at the same time, it is a place where you kind of get to show yourself a little bit as a person. And for him to take that from there and into this overall awareness that he's shown and displays not only on his podcast, but if you follow him on social media, you know, his just awareness and social issues and, and things that need to be addressed for, for men, for women, for different races. Uh, it, it's a pretty impressive thing. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm glad you brought that up as far as him using basketball as a huge tool and how, how he communicates and, and a huge tool for him as far as a platform to to learn and experience all these different things. It, it reminded me of this book that I was recently introduced to and we had a guest speaker, speaker come talk to our players uh, and, and he wrote this book and, and but the title of the book is called Rules of the Red Rubber Ball. And it's a very short read. It's 90, I think 90 to 100 pages. It really talks about how this guy was able to use sports, basketball in particular, to elevate himself. Um, and he talked about the rules of the red, red rubber ball where the red rubber ball was, uh, again, it's just this kind of the symbol of, of sports in general. That that was his place for fun. That was his place for, and he he related it to his life in general. How the red it really saved his life because he came from a very tough backstory, as far as his family life was concerned. But this red rubber ball was always kind of an escape for him. And then more than that, it became his passion. It became the thing that he was able to use to drive him to become uh, all sorts of. I mean, he was in the uh, military for a while. He became the athletic trainer for the Philadelphia 76ers for the, uh, what was it? The Yugoslavian national basketball team, uh, all sorts of different avenues. And all now he's working with Nike and uh-huh. it just, his life experiences and stories were awesome. But this book again, 90 to hundred pages, I think very short read, uh-huh. but it just talks about finding that passion and, um, chasing your passion and allowing your passion to, to help elevate you where you want to go. And so that just reminded me a lot of, of Greg's yeah. story and how he talked about basketball being kind of his tool for, for advancing in life. And, and um, I thought it was awesome. It rules of the red rubber ball. What Kane was, was detailing the, the background of the book. I looked up that author, Kevin Carroll. Yep. Is Kevin the author. Carroll, you can you get it right now on amazon.com. And if you've got a, a mobile app like I do, that's an equal is an e- easy click get and Kelly's credit card will pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, and I would highly recommend just anything you could find on Kevin Carroll. Um, you know, as far as guest speaking, anything along those lines, the guy's a, a highly motivational guy. Uh, mm-hmm. Very energetic. I mean, just an awesome person to just be around. He you just he's that type of person where you're in the same room as him, and your energy level picks up because of his. Yeah. Uh, one one more more thing from Greg that I thought was in a uh, something I'm sure we all would agree with, but maybe didn't think of in that light was when he talked about one of the ways he was able to make all those cross the stream jumps that you mentioned before in his story. You know, jumping mm-hmm. from Salem, Oregon to Long Beach State to Costa Rica to China was the fact that he is used to in the basketball culture just in all those moves he's made in his life, having to prove himself on the playground, so not being afraid to put himself out there. I thought that was an awesome because we all talk. We obviously always are looking for the deeper meaning in sports, whether you're a player, a coach, you know, podcast hosts. And you, you always talk about loyalty and teammates and brotherhood. And But I thought that was a great one that maybe we'd gloss over if you didn't think about it. Having mm-hmm. to step up on a random court wherever you're at. Hey, we got to go to the Y and play noon hoops. We got to step out there and put ourselves out there the first time ever. On a on a bench hoops in Billings, Montana, where we're coming yeah, from, you know what yeah. I mean. Like, I thought that was a great tie-in when he said, "Yeah, I could. I was used to being out on a limb and having to prove myself just because of basketball. So these moves didn't really phase me. I thought that was pretty cool. I I related to that 100. percent I wrote that down. I underlined that. I'm always moving around to the next court and just thinking back to those ex- exact experiences of having the butterflies in your stomach and the anxiety and the mm-hmm. stress of going to this different 
basketball court or gym or wherever it was and playing mm -hmm. against people or kids that you had never played against. And as he put it, mm -hmm. having to prove yourself and prove your worth and, and um, show that you, you can play at this court or you play at this level, I thought it was awesome. I, I thought that was a great analogy for life. Anything else you have on Greg's interview? For those of you just catching up, at, uh, the Intellectual Athlete Podcast, Greg Plater was our interview guest. You can also find him. Isn't his Twitter handle perfect? Yeah. At hoop yeah. underscore nerd. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly yes. right. Anything, anything yes. else stood out for you before we move to the next segment? Uh, yeah, I, th I thought just when we, we started or when you guys were talking about just podcasts in general and, and, um, and what he felt would be a successful podcast and how he talked about just – even if you're reaching one individual out there, one like-minded individual or, or anyone and in, in you're inspiring that one person who maybe will share that the, the podcast with the next person and mm -hmm. that reaches that person. But that's what he's defining his success upon and that has nothing to do with whether the podcast goes and has all sorts of views and downloads and, and yeah. you get the advertisements and whatnot. It's just all about having a platform and being able to get your voice out there and who knows who you're connecting with. Yeah. But there's someone out there bound to listen to it and find a connection and, and maybe you're helping them in some way. I, oh, that's a great point. And I think that's part of, probably the boat we're in too. As much as you love to see the retweets and the likes on iTunes, download, SoundCloud, et cetera, some of this is cathartic for us. you know. And I, I think 100%. Greg mentioned that too is – Whatever we're discussing that week has probably been on our brain for some reason or another, uh, whether it's about the country, whether it's about some aspect of coaching, all the different topics we've talked on. It's fun for the hour that we get to talk to just get it off your chest. And, and I think that's no a lot question. of reasons that Living Room Podcasts are successful because some people can relate to, boy, do I need to sit down, have a drink, and talk to somebody right now. And maybe that's <laughs> the 12 minutes we, we can provide every time or Greg can provide with, with his. 100%. <laughs> Greg – Greg Plater, our interview guest, Canaanize Reacts. When we come back, Wild Card Round takes you through uh, some, some stats we got from another book. There's a lot of books we're throwing out there today that you can get on uh, when we're done. We'll be right back. All right, back with Kane now. Wild card round today, and I, I think it fits in that category just because it's it's a topic that we haven't touched on at all. Um, but the, the the genesis of this comes from a, a recent meeting I was in with our athletic department, Willamette University, meeting with the head of our Bishop Wellness Center, uh, Don Thompson, phenomenal person uh, that's, that coordinates a lot of the mental health services that have that happen for campus here in Salem, Oregon, and all. And he shared with us an author's book, two books, Gene. Uh, Twinge is the author, Gene M. Twinge, and if we're saying that wrong, Kane and I tried to look it up. We couldn't, we couldn't find the correct pronunciation. We apologize. As I owns, we know what it's like for people to butcher our names. Yes. There's no question about that. <laughs> So People she wrote are. two books currently that are in heavy circulation, and Kane and I want to talk about. One's called Generation Me, Why Today's Young Americans Are More Confident, Assertive, Entitled, and More Miserable Than Ever Before. And the other one's called iGen, Why Today's Super Connected Kids Are Growing Up Less Rebellious, More Tolerant, Less Happy, and Completely Unprepared for Adulthood. And little sidebar, what that means for the rest of us. Uh, so this was a, basically a presentation, if I frame it right, at Willamette of the director of our of our 
wellness center informing us as people that interact with kids every day you have to be aware of what these kids are going through why they're going through it and then let's start to have conversations on how we can help them and i just took a ton of notes and sent them to kane and my wife and said kane we got to talk about this as coaches because our players are going through this we got to talk about it on the podcast because it's a very very alarming interesting eye-opening type stats and kelly we got to talk about this because our kids are going to be at that age and boy this is scary as hell <laughs> so i sent it to kane and kane why don't you just start off with what quote a stat it's all about mental health that's affecting college incoming college age students uh what jumped out at you right away thoughts from you right away well i just think the the last couple of stats was alarming to say the least as far as just talking about 39 percent of incoming freshmen indicated arriving on campus with a mental health issue and i know that's not just your campus that is campus right. campuses across the country because i know at the university of washington we haven't had the opportunity to have this specific talk but i know that this mm -hmm. topic has been brought up a lot and mm -hmm. i know that uh, our head coach coach peterson has brought it up as far as uh, the amount of depression, anxiety, and just mental health issues in general has, mm -hmm. has been on the rise for however many years now and is continuously going to be on the rise. And uh, it's alarming. And like you said, yep. as a coach, we have to be aware of these things. But more importantly, we have to know how to handle these things. And, and to me, it's, uh, okay, why? What's going on? Mm -hmm. What is happening that, that all these young teens – and soon-to-be adults are going through such a tough time. Absolutely. And I think one of the things, like you're talking about, just for guys, people that don't have the direct stats Kane's talking about, for Willamette and general college campuses, we're talking about 50% of mental health conditions appearing before age 14, 75% before age 24. Like Kane said, anxiety and depression, the number one and number two things being seen and treated in college counseling centers. And high school seniors across the country reporting that they experience good emotional health is at its lowest level ever. ever. So the number of kids that self-identify as, yeah, man, I'm, I'm pretty happy, is at its lowest level ever. It just baffles me because I think back to, to – my time when because mm -hmm. that's really that's the first thing you do right you hear these right. stats and you instantly yep. think about well when i was a kid or when i was in, a, in high school that was one of the happiest moments or times of my life how yeah. could it be so stressful so depressing and such uh ang driving so much anxiety and i i don't get it mm -hmm. but then mm -hmm. when you when you look at what dr twinge is mm -hmm. talking about in her books and you start to connect it you're going okay now i can see why now yep. I can kind of get an understand. And one of those things that she talks about is just these teens and adolescents with their social media, Facebook, mm -hmm. Instagram, Twitter, and their opportunities to constantly compare themselves in their lives to their friends' lives, to uh, superstars' lives, celebrity stars' lives. And yeah, if you're doing that, on a 24-hour basis or yes. every other 10 minutes because, as we all know, we see teens doing it constantly, and I, I'm constantly looking at my phone. It's a bad thing. But yep. Yep. you could get where, yeah, that would get to be a little bit depressing. Absolutely. And what Kane's referencing is Dr. Twins in her books. I'm not sure if it's in the iGen book that she used these specific studies or the Generation Me book, but she compared teenage responses and status of their early adulthood over a ton of different generational time periods to the kids now. 
and the emerging theme in her book that she talks about do and I think she equates it specifically to the 2007 release of the iPhone which it, which exploded the smartphone industry is teenagers now they're the rates of unhappiness anxiety don't relate them to the economy relate them to like Kane mentioned the relentless comparing of their experience and I'm quoting now to a highly curated version of other people so in any given day and I could do this now I could go compare myself to what's on Coach John Calipari's Kentucky feed. I could yep. go compare myself to Kevin Hart's feed, and then mm -hmm. I could go compare myself to Chance the Rapper's feed, and I could say, "Hey, that's a coach, that's a dad, and look at his perfect life in a limo, and the, or X Y Z." And now mm -hmm. here's me, and I'm experiencing stress. Suddenly, I'm terrible at living, exactly. and I think hey. that's a trap. And if I can fall into it, imagine what a 15 year old can do. 100. percent And that's a great point because I find myself doing that, just flipping through Twitter, right? You're, you're scrolling yeah. through your Twitter and you're seeing all these different coaches who potentially are in your same conference or league and they're throwing out this recruiting thing or they're throwing out this this quote or they're doing this and they're doing that. And if you're sitting there scrolling and reading that, you're going, oh my God, <laughs> I better go do something. I better, I, right. what am I doing that's that's out there that's that's getting these recruits on board? And so, yeah, yeah, your anxiety and stress levels are, are going to constantly be on, on the rise if you're constantly mm -hmm. scrolling and, and, and comparing and contrasting on a regular basis. And, God, and the best part, the worst part is, I think, like for you or me, we're still running our own Twitter feeds, right? Yeah. These other coaches yeah. aren't even running the big time guys. Like I would be shocked if John Calipari is actually tweeting. <laughs> I'm sure he's hired somebody to put out a perfect message of himself. And even when you and I tweet, we're not going to put out, God, I had a really bad practice today. You know what no else question. happened? Boy, I just had indigestion no all day. You don't put that out. I can't get my players to do this one <laughs> drill the right way I wanted to. Right. You're hashtag only put out the perfect point. Exactly. Hashtag I'm a bad coach. You're not putting yes, that out. Exactly. And no, that, that obviously that. you're totally right though. The grind culture. I mean, imagine listen, how many times have you and I or any staff we've been on talked to our guys about and we got this when we were growing up. If you're not working, that person out there is and they're gonna beat you. Mm -hmm. But in today's world, it looks like and it can be portrayed that literally no one is sleeping. <laughs> that if you are not outside lifting or shooting this moment because you can go on Twitter and they posted it, you think, oh, my God, they are. Or as a coach, like, I'm not watching film. What the hell? I haven't watched film for seven minutes. I better watch it for 12 hours because he's grinding. Hashtag no, no days off. <laughs> and then we're all miserable wrecks. That's that's you're hitting it right on the head, man. That, that's that's a great point. Because you can, you, you find these videos of, of people training and it's 24 yes. hours a day. And I don't care what yeah. time you're looking at your phone, you can find a video of somebody out there doing some kind of footwork or agility drill or lifting their, their bench press max or, or doing yeah. some kind of <laughs> CrossFit training. Or, yeah, cross oh. I mean, it's, yeah, it's constant. Love it if people. If, if there was a rule where you had to post a negative picture of yourself or a negative image every, of yourself. Every other time. Every other time. <laughs> like Facebook should implement right. that or Instagram should imp implement that or, or there should be an app out there where this is this is the negative Instagram. Yes. Real tweets. Hashtag real tweets. I feel yes. tired. I'm yes. going to skip my workout. Hashtag real tweets. <laughs> <laughs> I would love for someone to start that hashtag because I, I think people would jump on the bandwagon a little bit. They like, sure yeah, would. I slept in today. Sorry. Uh, hey. <laughs> 
One of the other quotes that we both connected to, I mean, we, we, we highlighted was most socially connected generation in history, current, the current, you know, young teens, mm -hmm. but with the highest feeling of loneliness in all time. And some of the stats used to kind of support this was there's been a huge decline since 2007 uh, in the times per week that teens go out without their parents. A huge decline that? in twelfth grade drivers. Can you? But you, like, we couldn't wait. We had great parents. Yeah. We couldn't wait to get the hell out from fifth grade on. Like I'm out. I'm going to Steve Baker's house. Deuces. Yeah. You know, I'm hopping like, on my bike and I'm riding yeah. my bike down the street, and or we're just going outside and uh, going to yeah. knock on our neighbor's door, the Goodells, and go yes. see if if someone wants to go play some hoops, play some home run derby, yeah. go do whatever to get out of the house and just be social. And when we finally got the ability to drive, we're gone. Like, Dad, I need, I need, I gotta have the Bronco. I'm out. Give me the Bronco. Where, you, where yeah. are you going? I don't know. I might just drive, but I can't be around <laughs> give you anymore. Give me five dollars <laughs> of cash for so that yes. you can fill up a half a tank of gas in the Bronco, and we're out. We're cruising the streets. And so now, facts state: kids aren't willing, wanting, desiring to leave their house. There's a huge decline in teens dating. There's a huge decline in sleep, and there's a huge increase in them feeling lonely. And even another stat that I thought was on one end, you'd be like, oh, that's good. But on another end, it shows people's inability to become um, relationally connected. intimate and connected is a de huge decline in teens having in teen sex. sex. Yeah, I saw that and I said, wow, that could, you know, most people would probably right. pump that out as a, as a positive statistic. But in this yeah, case, it's really not. Like you not said. that big of a decline. I think they're just not talking to each other. There'd be That's one thing if they're like, there's a huge decline in teen pregnancy. That's a good thing. Awesome. But the fact that no one's in a relationship, getting no to one the dates point, anymore. No one dates. Like, what are we doing? That's well, a bad deal. They're, they're sliding in each other's DMs. That's what they're doing. Yep. They're, yep. they're instant messaging or, or direct messaging. They're they're texting. They're uh, It's mind-boggling to me. People, yeah, it's not the art of flirtation. Mm -hmm. I is if there was a t statistic for that, I guarantee that would be down a hundred percent, one hundred fifty percent, because they do not interact the way that we're accustomed to interacting. Mm -hmm. And I and think even like you're totally right because now you're we even we back then we were well aware of our flaws, right? And you mm -hmm. still had anxiety about okay. talking to someone you were attracted to, but mm -hmm. now it's quadrupled, quintupled because you looked at her Instagram or his Instagram and there's only a perfect picture of who they think is cool and you damn sure mm -hmm. don't fit that perfect filtered picture. Yep. So I mean, I, I can totally, a lot of people are like, well, we felt this when we were growing up. And I agree, yeah. But I could go home into a safe space and hang out with you, play video games, or be at dinner and just compare to reality. Like, ah, you know what? I got a break from it. I'm here in the mm -hmm. house. I went all night. Mm -hmm. I went back to school, maybe, and it was stressful. Mm -hmm. But now there's no escape for these kids. If they feel awkward at school, then they go home, flip on their phones. They feel awkward and loserish Still again. Awkward. Mm -hmm. it, you know, there's no escape from those feelings, and that's a scary, scary deal. That is a scary deal, and there's there's no escape from those feelings, and there's really no facing. There's fears either, as far as that fear of talking to someone face to face. There's no actual yep. time where they're forced to do that. Where okay, yeah, mm -hmm. I've got to face this fear of asking this girl to winter formal. Yeah. Now it's like, oh, well, I'm not very good at talking to girls, so I'm just going to continue to just DM them. And if she says yep. yes, great. 
if no, whatever, I'll move on to the next one. Right. But you don't right. ever have to learn a skill of actually talking and relating to someone other than relating to your phone. Yep. And I, and I also think you, you fail to realize that you are not the only imperfect being in existence. Yeah. Because yes. the Twitter, right? Facebook shows you that everybody else's life is perfect. Nobody else is feeling perfect. like me. When in the past you you could you could go home even you could talk to your boys at least and be like man mm -hmm. you don't have a date you don't got a date you got you know whatever it would you yeah. know I don't want to keep relating it only to dating but you could be imperfect and you were aware that your social crew was also imperfect because like mm -hmm. you mentioned you actually talked to people and hung out with them now you really only see your boys in a in a perfect light as well yep. much less somebody you're trying to date or some competition a different recruit that you're you know it's just it's a it's yeah, a cyclical it's a, exactly exactly right it's a vicious cycle man and, and yeah. um I, I couldn't imagine trying to live up to my facebook or instagram profile on a regular basis either mm -hmm. you talk about stress and anxiety you're putting this image yep. out there of who you are via this facebook instagram twitter person uh and then you mm -hmm. got to live up to that every day as you as you walk the halls of your school and yep that's is there is there something you mentioned you mentioned coach peterson bringing this up is there something you guys one thing you think is effective that you guys try to do for your players or you know university of washington's done something you saw at mm -hmm. montana state that hopefully you know you can't fix it all obviously we can't magnet and take their phones no. from them mm -hmm. but something you guys have tried or talked about you know i think we just do a good job here of creating avenues for our players to connect creating okay. ways for these guys to interact socially, whether it with, be it with our own team, getting groups together of, of players that aren't necessarily a part of the same position group or yeah. you know, defense and offensive players, making sure we interact with them quite a bit, and then also setting up social situations for them with people outside of our program as well, gotcha. whether it's uh, alumni situations or um, – you know, donors or boosters trying to get them in, in situations, social situations where they are forced to be face to face and interact with people in a face to face situation and learn some people mm -hmm. skills. Um, and then obviously, again, just making them aware of the, the pitfalls of social media and mm -hmm. making them aware of these type of statistics. I think one thing we've tried on our end is through our character development program, we've tried to teach them that masculinity is not being without flaws. Masculinity mm -hmm. is having the strength to share your flaws and then go to work on them. So I think some of that, it's, it's almost like teaching being able to be vulnerable, which I know is a taboo word for all of us men. You don't ever want yeah. your wife to say, please be vulnerable with me. But in, in reality, she's totally right. Right. You know, How does so you know I think that? we've tried. <laughs> Sorry. What exactly is the definition so, of being vulnerable? Is it like the, being, being is vulnerable? It, it's not be, it's not the same as being soft. Being vulnerable means yes. I am willing to bear. I'm willing to admit that there's something I'm not great at, that there's, will, mm. there's something that I made a mistake at. It's like, so a game plan, you might say we're vulnerable on third down if they bring in this position group. The mm -hmm. the toxic yeah. masculinity would, would have you go tell your DC, we don't yeah. have any any weaknesses, not yeah. a one. That's a great, well great that analogy. You, yeah, that's a great analogy. Know, and great then, hey, play. I'm willing to say this, now I'm going to go try to cover up, I'm going to go try to make, to, mm -hmm. to fix that chink in my armor. But also teaching them, hey, you're not the only man in this room, you know, of our of my 21 in my program mm -hmm. that has a vulnerability. 
So that in and of itself should bring you together because you all know you're imperfect beings. Now, that's yeah. easy. That's a great theory. So once again, folks, this is not Kip's book of how to fix men. It's a theory. <laughs> We're still working on it. There's uh, no doubt. I think it's, it's, it's helped us. And like you mentioned, we try to do things that allow them to either be put in situations where they have to talk to us more or like you said, hey, let's get this freshman big with the senior point guard in a setting that they wouldn't have picked for themselves and yeah. make them live in it. So that wild card, uh, go back on through, get the books on Amazon. It's like our third book referral today. Yeah, Dr. Gene Twinge, right? Generation Me and iGen, uh, both dealing with the current mental health situation of our young people, um, get, making you aware of the facts. And also, like Kate and I discussed some things you might try doing to help them out. Cross the streams. side break.